You know, when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Let me say that again. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He says, my word never returns void. He didn't just go around throwing out blessings. He goes around being who he is. He is Lord. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has a plan for every single life that he has created. And that includes you. And that includes me. One day, 2,000 years ago, the God of the universe became flesh as a little baby. Born of a woman that never knew a man. Came to this earth as a little child. Went about doing good. He could touch the blind and they would see. He could heal the sick. He could raise the dead. And he never sinned. But he laid his life down on a cross. He didn't have to. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he laid his life down. And he shed his blood in order that we could celebrate what we're celebrating today, life in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, he paid for the sin of the world. All sin. And when you bring your sin to him and you ask him to receive you, you confess that you're a sinner. You quit arguing about how good you are. And you just acknowledge, I'm like everybody else I ever met. I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And you don't have to wait till Christmas Day or New Year's. Immediately, he's coming in. And you'll never be the same again as long as you live. I want to take you this morning to the obvious scripture of this time. There's the Christmas stories in several places, but I think the most quoted is Luke chapter 2. We're going to put it on the screen. I want to read it to you from the second chapter of the gospel according to Luke. I'm going to speak to you on the subject today, the day that God became flesh. The day that God became flesh. Now listen. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He went to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth their firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's our Christmas gift. Born unto you, available unto you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Without a doubt, the most mind-boggling scripture in all of the Bible are these passages when the God that created the heavens became flesh. When that event took place, the whole world changed. Now there was an opportunity to know God, not as a creator alone, but as a Savior and as Lord. And 20 centuries have elapsed since that first Christmas morning. That's a lot of years. Yet this event still staggers the minds of the greatest thinkers in the world. How could that happen? We didn't study that at the university. How one could be born as Jesus was born and live as he lived and documented evidence that would surpass any evidence you would ever want in a court of law that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that he would lay his life down when he could have called legions of angels and wiped the Roman army off of the map. But he died for you and for me. God wrapped himself up for those brief years in the body of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to go home and count them. I didn't. I'm taking somebody else's word for this. There are 31,173 verses in the King James Bible, the way the verses are divided. 31,173. Luke 2, 7, I still think, just may be the most profound. It is hard for me to get a hold of how somebody could die for my sin and love me that much. Sometimes I'm glad they didn't meet me. They might have turned me down, but you know what? I've looked at other folks and realized, no, he doesn't turn down anybody. Just look at the people around you and say, well, he didn't turn around back. <laughs> he didn't turn his back on you, you know? <laughs> Isn't God awesome? What a mighty God that we serve. God came to us in the flesh. That verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, and there was no room in the world for him. No room even at Motel 2. There was nowhere for him to go. But God became flesh. Let me read just a little bit more. In that 15th verse, we read, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from him into heaven, and shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. What a story they had to tell. You know, the sad thing is, some people still don't believe it. And because of that, those that are alive today are not living. They're, they are living far beneath their privilege. 
They could be living up here, loving him, depending on him, trusting him, but they choose to submit themselves to the cares of this world. And so they stagger back and forth and say, Lord, I just don't understand. Or you say to their friend, I don't understand those Christian people. Go to church. Give. Serve. Pray. Go out and minister to the sick. Comfort the dying. I don't understand why people would do that. Well, you know, it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. The thing that makes all of us different is Jesus. You can move all over the United States and all over the world, and you know what? The devil will help you unpack. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you will serve him right where you are. You don't have to change jobs. You can serve him right there until God leads you to the other place he wants you to go. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left us crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. That's all part of the Christmas story. It, it goes far beyond a manger in Bethlehem. But you see, when these people heard it, these very uh, conservative, mild-mannered, gentle people began to tell one who would tell one who would tell one who would tell another. And now our goal is to preach the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. The signal coming out of this room is going all over the world. Now, everybody does not have the receiver to receive it, but it is going out. That's prophecy being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled because, you see, the Bethlehem scene is not the final chapter. Jesus is coming again. And he may come in our generation. And we are to prepare ourselves for that day when the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those which are alive and remain will be called to, up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen to what John says in the first chapter, verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. People saw not God the Father, but they saw God the Son when he came to this earth. In the 14th chapter of John, verse 9, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how say you then, show us the Father? You see, Jesus came and allowed people to crucify him when he could have called 10,000 angels and wiped them off the planet because of us. So we would have a way of escape. When we have storms hit the Houston area, we have these evacuation routes, evacuation route. What evacuation route are you going to take when this world comes to an end? You're either going to go up or down, by the way. It won't be on a highway. And you make that choice now. You make your reservation now. You say, well, I think it might be too crowded. I'll tell you which way is going to be the most crowded if you don't like traffic. <laughs> but if we could get all that traffic going the right way, there's plenty of room because there's room at the cross for you. There is a place in heaven reserved for you and for me. 
I would like to be able to have the mind that I could think into the mind of God as he decided how he was going to get the gospel message to the world. Can you imagine that committee meeting if they would have had a committee? How are we going to get the message out to the world? I want everybody in the world to hear it. How are we going to do that? Well, they came up with a plan. They came up with a plan that will reach them one at a time. One who will reach one, 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 who will reach one. And then we'll put the group of believers together and we'll call it a church. And it'll be my bride. The bride of Christ is his church. And my bride will take on as a major responsibility to get the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. We call that missions. It is where we evangelize not to beat up on people, not to put them down or their religion down, but just simply say to them, you have a choice. Jesus says, whoever comes into me, I will not turn them away. Other religions turn people away because they don't meet the standards of the religion. But that's not what Christianity is. We don't have a standard of religion. We have a person whose name is Jesus. And he's a savior to every single one that comes unto him. Say it with me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. Wow. Every time somebody asks me, what do you get for Christmas? They say, well, it's 2,000 years old, but I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> and it really became personal unto me 70 years ago. And he's never left me, and he's never forsaken me. And he's not forsaken a single person that's in this building or out there watching that hasn't given their heart to the Lord. He's never walked out. We never understand everything the way he leads. Wherever he leads, we're going to go. We don't understand it. You know why? He said, you won't. he said, my ways are higher than your ways. But you will one day. And one day, you got angry at me while you were on earth. But now when you get in glory, you'll say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I wish I'd known. Please forgive me. I dropped out of church for 10 years. Because I thought you made a mistake when whatever happened in your life that made you turn away from God. Maybe you have done that. But you know something? He hadn't left you. You say, well, I don't see him. Look for him. Standing somewhere where you are, you're going to find Jesus. It may be today. You know, it might be you're at the right place at the right time or you might be watching and listening at the right time when... Today, you're going to get the greatest gift that you've ever gotten in the past, nor will you ever get anything equal to it in the future in this world. That's called salvation. God sent Jesus into the world to become a man and to tell God's story through Jesus in a way that man could understand. All you have to do is read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The Synoptic Gospels, four men writing the gospel in their own style, telling the same story that Jesus is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. God can speak to us at our level. I promise you, 
that God became flesh, first of all, to reveal himself to us. You look at Jesus, and you'll learn a lot about God. You look at Jesus, and you'll see that he was always on time. He was never late. He was never early. He was always on time. Nothing was too hard for him. If he got there too late and the patient died and he couldn't heal them, he could raise them up out of the grave. But he is always on time. And he's on time today. He hadn't got off the clock. He doesn't pay any attention to daylight savings time. He just writes it down in eternity. This is the day the Lord has made. This is it. Now you're either rejoicing or you're very, very depressed. Maybe so depressed you're just angry. Absolutely angry. You may be watching a computer and sometime in your past you just said, I'm not going to church ever again. I just hate the church. I pray right now that that'll change even during this Christmas season. Go back to the bride. The church is not perfect, but it's what God chose to use. And you know what? He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of carrying out the Great Commission to the uttermost part of the world. But let me quickly say to you, God wanted us, us to see what he's like. But God sent Jesus so a sacrifice could be made for our sin. You can't put it on MasterCard. You can't put it on American Express, even if you got a gold or platinum. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. The only way a person can get to heaven is not by coming to church and reading the Bible and saying their prayers. They've got to confess their sins, repent of those sins, and invite Jesus to come into their life because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by him. If Jesus would not have gone to the cross, there would still be no payment made on our sin. But Jesus did go to that cross. He did die on Friday, and he did rise from that grave on Sunday morning. He's paid for it. It's paid for. You don't have to add it. You just have to spend all I can spend this Christmas. You don't have to spend anything on this. It is a free gift to you. Hebrews 2, 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angel for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, listen, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And that means mankind, male and female. He did it, paid in full. I promise you if you go to the mailbox on Monday and all your credit cards and all your notes are in your uh, post office box or dropped at your front door or come across your telephone or however you get your stuff, and they say, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. You, about, you talk about a shout in Christmas. <laughs> I mean, you'd, be, you'd have a holy holler. And by March, you'd be right back in debt again. <laughs> Unless you come to the Lord Jesus and let him take care of it. Let him lead you. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let me tell you, he's not going to lead you into bondage. You choose bondage. He's going to lead you into freedom. Now, but you have to make the choice. He's not going to drag you. Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself. Became a little lower than the angels. The angels didn't go to the cross. He did, and he laid his life down. My, 
What glorious love. And let me tell you a third thing. Jesus came to set an example for us. I don't know about you, but during my lifetime, I've had those experiences when I tried to be like some other, what I thought was a wonderful Christian. And I don't think I've ever done that when I wasn't let down at some point in time. I, I don't want people following me, and I hope you don't want people following you, and I hope you're not following people. But I tell you what, Jesus never let you down. No, and when you start down, he's going to pick you up. And he's going to hold you, and he's going to carry you. To be what he wants you to be. In 1 Peter 2.21, we read these words. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. I love that song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like him. That's our goal. That's where we're headed. But Jesus is an example for believers, not for unbelievers. Unbelievers follow Satan. God's believers follow Jesus. And as long as we follow him, he will never, ever fail to make the way. And if we fall, he'll pick us up. That's just who he is. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Can I tell you another thing? The Christmas story made it possible for the works of the devil to be defeated. There's not a sin that God cannot forgive. Whatever your problem might be today, Jesus made it possible for your sin to be forgiven. Now, people may not forgive you, but that's their problem. Jesus forgives sinners. All the writers of the Bible were sinners, lost sinners, until God changed their life. So, to defeat the devil and his works is another reason that he came. He came in order that the devil could be put down. 1 John 3, 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. But look at this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Even what he's done to you, he can destroy it. And he can change you instantaneously. And then there's another reason that he came. And that is to provide the believer with a high priest. Now listen carefully to me. Flesh and blood, we're not the high priest. It doesn't matter what your denomination affiliation is, there's only one high priest. His name is Jesus. He is the one that will make the decision where you spend eternity. No priest is going to decide for you where you're going to go after you're dead. You're going to decide that while you're alive. And when you decide that, then you say, well, I don't like the word pastor. I like the word priest. Wonderful. Jesus is one. But he's so far above pastors, evangelists, priests, rabbis, whatever you want to name. He's one of a kind. And that's the group you want to be in. You want to be a follower of Jesus, not a slave to the religions of man. And there's a big, big, big difference. Jesus is our way to the Father. 
In Hebrews 2.17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. How about that for a description of Jesus? That's the priest I want. That's the one I want to follow. That's the one I want with me when I stand before the Lord. Let me give you two other things. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. One of my favorite signs in Houston has been for many, many years going towards Galveston. There's a nightclub down there, and I think it's called the brokenhearted, but that's not the part I look at. I like the sign, the abundant life, put up right over the top of it. If you haven't been down there, it's worth the drive. You know what the sign says? Jesus heals the brokenhearted. The nightclub don't heal it. The show doesn't heal it. The booze doesn't heal it. The drugs doesn't heal it. But Jesus heals the brokenhearted. If you come to this place today or you turn on your television or the computer and your heart is broken, you're falling apart, you've thought some terrible things, you can be healed today by the blood of Jesus that cleanses from every single sin. And when that happens, you are reconciled. Jesus came to reconcile us to him. We're reconciled to the Father. Jesus came to reconcile sinful man to the Father and put us back in harmony again. Now we're his kids. Now we're adopted into the family. And he doesn't treat us as just good people or bad people. He treats us as brothers in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.19 To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We're reconciled. Did you ever have a problem like this and get it reconciled? Did you ever go through a mediation and get it reconciled? Did you ever go through just a fight and you reconciled your marriage? You reconciled your relationship. Jesus is the master of that. And then finally, Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. The worst testimony you'll ever see that what a Christian is is an unhappy Christian. If Jesus lives in your heart, there ought to be a smile on your face and a spring in your step and joy in your heart and a freedom like nobody else has. And a lot of people go around and they look like that they were vaccinated with pickle juice. You know, and some, somebody just kind of stuck an onion in their mouth and vaccinated them and say, well, praise God, I'm saved. <laughs> if you don't believe it, I'll just slap you. <laughs> Jesus has to put up with a whole lot when he puts up with us. Don't you think? We've always been there. You know, we, we've said the wrong thing to people before. Policemen, waitresses, the person that charged you 23 cents too much on some item you purchase, that person that comes in front of you on the freeway and almost hits you, and if you wouldn't have been texting, <laughs> he would have. John 3.36 says, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life, 
And he that believes not the Son shall not see life, for the wrath of God abides in him. And my final scripture is John 10, 10. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come, this is Jesus speaking, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Boy, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Does anybody need to go to the seminary to understand that? I mean, you know, why is it? Why is it the devil's got such power? I can't understand the power he has to keep a sinner from accepting something money can't buy and death can't take away from you. And that's what Christmas is about, my friends. One week after Christmas, it'll look like Harvey out on the street. And the stores will be full of taking back all that stuff that whoever bought it for them don't know what they were thinking. It's not my size. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. And it's going to be same old thing, same old thing. But you know what? Every Christmas I've lived has been better spiritually. And I've known more about Christmas every year since I was a little child. And it doesn't matter what's happened during the last 12 months. God is an awesome God. And God doesn't leave us, and he doesn't forsake us. And he has a plan and a purpose, or we wouldn't be here. 